Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host Luke. Luke, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the Crack and Banter podcast. Uh, the countdown continues to episode number 50. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but we're well into the 40s now, so we're inching we closer are. to both summer and the banter bonanza. That's not the official name yet, but... Um, the bantonanza. Thank you very much, Luke. <laughs> Yeah, we, we might need to work <laughs> off that one a bit, but uh, th- that's just what I was, I was looking at up the other week. Uh, I am immensely afraid that we are accidentally just going to record number 50 as a normal episode without realising <laughs> so I'm putting these reminders in episodes as we get closer so it doesn't happen. I'm, yes, I, I'm keeping track as we get closer and closer, but uh, it's worth keeping it in our heads before we just sit down to record one week and then suddenly I realize it's uh, episode 15 we try to <laughs> we're trying to dress up a regular episode as something special probably should um do some kind of planning I mean not too much because that feels not true to the nature of this podcast you know to, to plan ahead too much but maybe a little something so that we can uh, make it a little bit special would be good yeah, you can fix everything in post I wouldn't worry True, yeah. We'll just jump on and sort of spin our wheels about uh, episode 50. If we just if we just talk like it's a really special episode, you know, uh, we can just pretend. I mean, no one can see what's going on. We can pretend we've, you know, thrown a massive party. I can add in some sound effects, people in the background. We can say we've got a really special guest and I'll just put in like a Graham Norton interview or something. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we can just pre-record our questions and then their responses. It'll be perfect. Joe's yeah, we've, really actually got, we've actually got our star-studded lineup for episode 50. Yeah, Joe's really impressive. Um, mm. we've, we're going to reach 50 episodes before 50 listeners. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> 50 episodes before before that. That is... Do you know what? One one episode, one listener. That's <laughs> that's the best way to go. Let's try and we're, steady climb. <laughs> we, can, we can divvy each episode up as an NFT. And that's how we'll finally make money off the podcast. That's how we do it. Look, exactly. We make enough episodes. As soon as we start to get more listeners, then we just give every listener one episode each. That's all you get. And then, uh, yes, yeah, that's every time we get, every time someone new listens to the podcast, they don't get any of the previous episodes, but they get one brand new episode just for them. Is that a good? Actually, and it's certainly, a, it's certainly make... a unique selling point. I don't know if it's um, a good one. I don't think you do it for any more than one episode. One podcast, uh, like, uh, but if a podcast somewhere did that, that'd be kind of a cool, like, experiment thingy. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, completely unrelated news. If anyone hypothetically knew how to explain what an NFT was to uh, a complete moron, uh, drop us your email and a message. <laughs> yeah, just like, just, just hypothetically, how you would explain it to someone who doesn't. We both know. But if yeah. there was someone who didn't know, just say, like, how would you explain it to that person who's an idiot who isn't us? Um, how would you explain it to them? Just, it, like, the simplest words. Uh, that would be awesome. Not Again, not for us, but just, but we would really like that. Uh, so <laughs> we've got some news this week, Luke. Um, Is it about NFTs, uh, new fun trailers? <laughs> very good, Luke. Oh, that was That was great. I mean, if I had a trailer to talk about this week, that would be perfect. But uh, I actually didn't watch any trailers this week. Um, I did. The did you? What did you see? Uh, the Chip and Deal trailer. <laughs> oh, I did not see that. 
Um, I think I saw the the first kind of teaser trailer. Um, I do I do think it looks good though. What did you think? Very different to what I thought it would be, and um, but like in a good way. Yeah, it's it's, it's um it's sort of using Chippendale as a a vehicle to parody the whole animation genre, kind of uh like sort of halfway between Who Framed Roger Rabbit that. Uh, that Looney Tunes movie from a few years ago with Brendan Fraser, I really liked. Mm. I'm saying a few years ago, I think that's well over 10. <laughs> well over 13. I'd, yeah, I'd say closer to 20, yeah. Uh, and uh, and a little bit of maybe like Austin Powers, but, uh, but in tone. So it's like, mm. I, I think it looks really good, really funny. Uh, definitely the sense of humour to me and stars being Andy Samberg and uh, Mulaney. And definitely very influenced by them. I mean, I don't know what the extent of their role was, but I feel like it's it's more a project driven by them rather than the Chip and Dale uh, characters. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. I mean, some really funny jokes, like um, uh, the, re- the reason why one's got the classical animation, one's got the new styles, because he got CGI search. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do like that. Like, it's this idea of you know moving with the times uh, and that that real a real critique of Hollywood. You know, look, maybe there's going to be big satire this movie, um, but it looks like it'll be a fun time either way. I think, as you say, yeah, Mulaney and Sandberg a great a great uh, duo to see, and it does look a lot like they've kind of just spun their wheels on this one, which you can do, I suppose, because of the way they're they're treating this as it's not really the chip and deal characters it's more that chip and deal were two characters that these guys played you know so they get to do a completely different version really as more like the behind the scenes version of chip and deal which i think mm. is pretty cool uh, and you do get to see them kind of be these washed up celebrities in, in a way you know um coming coming into it from this perspective i really like it but yeah i'm i'm a big Roger Rabbit fan as well. I think it's really good, and it, this does definitely give me that vibe. As you said, all the things you said, I think um, it's definitely those are all things that I like. So I think uh, this it does look like it'll be a fun time and, and really kind of up my street. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all either. Whenever I saw that first trailer, so I'm yeah. definitely excited. Yeah, it's like I was so disappointed initially when I realized that wasn't an all meal strip show. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's what you were looking forward to in the Chip and Dale movie. Um, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. They're they're chipmunks, not squirrels. So there'll be fewer nuts than you were expecting. That's good. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, for for me, most of the big news this week came from CinemaCon, um, which happened this week or maybe is currently happening. I'm not sure. It's not like a massive one for announcements in the same way that some of the other big events are more because it is it's a more of like an academy thing i guess so there's there's little announcements and then there's lots of like screenings of stuff and um, so nothing crazy we but a couple of little uh, little bits and pieces um avatar 2 is going to be stre- uh, screened at cinemacon so i we can expect some uh, reviews or or initial thoughts on that maybe over the next few days i don't know how again i'm sure this stuff is all very very protected but there's always a couple of leaks and things so I'm sure we'll at least get initial audience responses from Avatar 2 uh, in the next the next wee while 
which could be interesting. It's Avatar 2 is one of those weird things where it's gone, it's kind of gone full circle for me in terms of being somewhat interested in seeing a sequel to then being completely uninterested in it because it took so long to now because it's taken this long and just because of the way uh, they're recording them and all that I'm like okay now I'm quite interested again to see <laughs> to see where it goes it's literally it's done a, an entire journey to come back around to me being quite interested in seeing it not so much even in seeing it just in seeing this whole franchise and what it does and you know if it crashes and burns I kind of hope it does <laughs> not because I want it to feel but just because it would be kind of funny given the the unbelievable investment I don't know I'm just I'm just interested to see what happens with with the Avatar franchise at this point listen I'm not saying James Cameron embezzled uh one billion dollars of <laughs> uh Fox's or whatever it was money to spend on deep sea uh exploration submarines but I'm also not saying that's not what he did. <laughs> yeah, part of me is expecting Avatar 2 to be um, just people painted blue on, on a sound stage and they haven't even done any, <laughs> like the background's still just blue screen. They haven't actually done any any editing. He's just, James Cameron's just convinced everyone they're going to do, because Avatar, the first one, was such a <laughs> such a a CGI marvel. He's been like, yeah, yeah, no, most of it, most of this stuff happens after, you see. So actually on the day we can just we can just film them kind of like this and we'll fix everything later one billion dollars please uh and then <laughs> we just see the rough footage from on the day a, a little a little bit of me is waiting to see that and then james cameron's there like i don't know i don't know i guess a billion dollars doesn't go as far as you think it's going to these days <laughs> did, you, did you ever hear that new story this was from a while ago it might even have just been an urban ledge i'm always entertained me it was like uh was a guy got fired from his IT job in America or something. He was getting paid loads of money, like maybe, I don't know, six figures uh, to, to do the this job. What he did, though, was he took um, 75% of it and then the other 25%, he paid a company in China to outsource the work to. So he was just wow. getting paid uh, like tens of thousands of dollars to sit at home and do nothing he was eventually found out and they fired him anyway the point of that is i think james cameron's done a similar thing where he's kept like <laughs> not not as big a portion maybe only like a quarter if he's kept a quarter of the avatar budget and said 750 million dollars to andy circus to mess around with uh <laughs> I think pong balls and stuff yeah in New yeah he's just he's hired people on fiverr to just make avatar too uh maybe Maybe. I wonder if you could Avatar. hire everyone on Fiverr for a billion dollars. Because they're going to be more... There's definitely not even two... There's probably a hundred million people on Fiverr. You could definitely hire everyone on Fiverr to do at least one thing. Yeah, at least one thing. And then just see what you get back. <laughs> you, you send everyone the same, the same pitch. is just do whatever. Here's some money. And just you, you just put all of it together when you get it back. And uh, and that's the rest of the Avatar series. So uh, hope I hope you're happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what this is going to be. It's certainly interesting, but haven't heard anything yet. I'm just kind of I don't know. I'm keeping one eye on it on on Avatar because again, I don't want it to just be swept under the rug and put like put off for another another three years. And it's one of these things we never get. So I'm I'm just 
I'm keeping a cautious eye on the Avatar franchise to see uh, what happens. feels weird calling it a franchise. It's had one movie, like, but just because of the plans, the plans are so big for it. I feel like I feel like I have to say franchise now. I'm actually confused because I thought number three was going to be the Under the Sea one, but if it means we get the underwater teal wrapping scene sooner, hubba hubba. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is very true. Um, And then we just had little bits of... A little, a little Kevin Feige let slip, maybe, or or just said as a joke, or just or as just being honest. But he said uh, right after CinemaCon, someone asked about Marvel. He said he was uh, going straight to a Marvel retreat to plan out the next ten years of the MCU, um, which could be quite interesting. I don't know how serious that was, or if he was just going away to to plan stuff. But uh, we could be then gearing up for another big, you know another big phase of maybe interconnected stories or, or plot lines, whatever that's going to be, which if that's true, it does make sense I, for me, at least um, of the more recent things we've got that there doesn't seem to be that big collaborative sense, which I, I have no problem with really with what we've got so far, but that does feel true to me that after kind of the infinity saga ended, it has been a little bit more sporadic. Would that be the word kind of this, um, yeah, a bit more of a mix of things. And obviously there's loads that's connected because it comes from such an interconnected universe. But yeah, maybe we are gearing up for something big again, or maybe it's planning out the next 10 years as completely separate entities. I don't know. But um, yeah, he said he was he was going on a retreat to plan the next 10 years of Marvel, which could be uh, could be quite interesting. What what do you think could happen or what would you like to happen if there's, you know, another 10 year plan for the MCU? Um, I think they're kind of better maybe just holding back for the moment. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a plan per se, you know, because uh, feel to prepare, prepare to feel and all that. But mm. I mean, you know, this initial direction uh, they've taken with the post Thanos uh, Marvel era. I mean, I don't think it would necessarily be unfair to say it's not been a critical success you yeah know, it's i think they're better testing the waters a bit with this multiverse stuff i mean so far it'd be my opinion i think a lot of it's a bit convoluted and it's not been as uh, enjoyable to follow as the infinity saga was but i mean i think let um at least doctor strange thor and Ant-Man, uh, Hulk of Quantumania, uh, sort of <laughs> uh, waft out like um, a fart and see if uh, people like the smell or if they don't. Uh, maybe not a fart, but... Uh, oh, great great analogy, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, just let those go down first, see how they are, and plan the direction based on that. Because whilst I'm saying the multiverse to me so far seems a bit convoluted and is making a rather unworkable continuity because uh, ultimately your problem with the multiverse is thing the impact of consequences doesn't feel as uh, serious mm-hmm. but that since those are going to be the, the three big hitters coming out in the next year or so i would just let them go down see what the reaction is to them how they cl- clear up uh, the overall direction and then 
plan based on that. But as I said, there's nothing wrong with having a plan. And I mean, people in the early days called them crazy for planning years in advance, which is what they were doing. And it worked yeah. out well. So uh, ultimately, I think if that's what he thinks is the best idea, then he's probably at least earned that belief. Yeah, true. And also, I suppose we don't know what, you know, planning for the next 10 years really means. That could just be a case of, here's the movies we want to make kind of thing. Uh, here's the directors we want to get in, blah, blah, blah. It, couldn't, it doesn't necessarily mean this is the saga of movies we're going to do. But I, I think, yeah, I think I think having that plan kind of makes sense if, if for no other reason than I remember this excitement we got with like the those big fees and announcements, you know, and you'd see the lineup, the timeline of all the movies and shows that were going to be coming out. And then COVID, I think, really like interrupted that because having a, a date, a, a specific date for anything coming out was such a risk. So we haven't got that in so long, but that is something that I would, I would like a plan if, if just for that to see those big posters of you know 15 to 20 movies and shows that would uh really get you excited and there'd be some total random ones in there and then you'd go off and you know look up who are these characters what's what's this going to be about how could this connect what's this going to be um i remember getting really excited by those so i think that would kind of be a nice thing again in terms of drumming up excitement about unknown stuff rather than relying on another Spider-Man movie to get people excited yeah. or it's the multiverse to get people excited actually you know releasing showing all those posters those teaser posters and being like oh who's Namor you know who, who's that well I'll have to look them up or whatever and then those big moments where you do get the not, Fantastic Four logo or whatever you know I'm, I'm not trying to say never with the MCU because I feel like that's a mistake people made before in the past, but at least pretty confident saying not even the MCU could make Namor the Submariner interesting or likable. But yeah, no, to be fair, we are sort of looking at 10 years and thinking, oh, that's a really long time. But I mean, if you were just that down, five years in the grand scheme of things for movies isn't that long. Yeah. There's a finite number of movies you can release in five years. So if you take maybe they're looking at the five years as uh, solid planning because everyone will be contracted within those five years, or at least most people will, and can't really uh, change direction for that, then they're probably actually looking at the second five years as a bit looser. I mean, you can't necessarily confirm films because uh, even with the multi-film contracts, they only have people signed on for so long. Uh, but they're maybe just thinking more about overall story direction. It actually isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. You know, ten, yeah. uh, ten years ago was Avengers. Uh, they, I mean, they wouldn't have planned where they are now ten years ahead, but they did. If you think 2012, I would say they probably had to at least 2017 fairly firmly planned out. Yeah, and I suppose also, yeah, with something like this, if you want to do another Infinity War end game type of thing, you're, but you also have actors who are coming in for two or three movies before that, trying to make it line up and still give those actors time to do other movies and other things they want to do, um, apart from just coming back to do Marvel movies constantly, because fewer and fewer of them are signing on for these big multi-picture contracts the way they used to now, because 
they don't want to be signed into Marvel forever and they want to be able to come back. And and I think a lot of them also want to be able to re uh, redo their contracts for more money whenever their you know their movies do well and stuff. Um, so trying to make all that work is gonna take ten years of planning. If someone's gonna do a movie for two years and then you want to give them time to do another movie for two years and then you want to give them time to not come back straight away and all that then you kind of do need that time if you're going to do anything on like a big scale so yeah it is it isn't the most amount of time ever it does make sense that they'd be uh, doing that i wonder does it mean the next 10 years starting now because surely so much of this is already in motion so maybe it's not actually even the next 10 years this could be you know 14 years from now by the time everything that's already planned gets finished so I, I don't know what to what to expect really we've loads to see from Marvel but yeah I can't wait for all the new stuff as well and just stuff to get wacky <laughs> the best uh, work out though how they're going to integrate the Howard the Duck in because that's happening whether anyone likes it or not yeah for sure that's uh that's got to be coming soon, like, got to be. <laughs> um, then the only the only other news was kind of just a, a bit more solid confirmation of all of the uh, all of the Sony stuff. Look, and I know you love talking about this post. <laughs> we're in a post Morbius world. Uh, and boy, oh boy, have we got some exciting Sony stuff coming up. Sorry, spam stuff, I should say. The Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. Um, that sounds like so many rude words. It's like actually <laughs> a single one. Yeah, so so I've got a spam update for you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so this Don't is all. Don't give me all of your spam at once, <laughs> uh, So we've got we've got a couple of things were shown um, clips at CinemaCon, and then some things were announced. Um, so we've got first thing: Venom Three is happening. I feel like that's that was kind of expected anyway. But we've we've got a Venom Three on the horizon. I think that's fine that makes sense you know venom is really the driving force behind this behind this the sony pictures universe of marvel characters or spam um <laughs> then the other two that we we did already know about are the craven the hunter movie um with uh aaron taylor johnson i think is in that uh which yeah. <laughs> fine <laughs> whatever we saw a little clip from it well we saw like 10 seconds of behind the scenes footage but um i don't know what that's going to be about craven is uh, who would have thought kick-ass was going to play craven <laughs> yeah exactly uh we also were getting a madam web movie that the characters get more and more obscure as we go down the line um i forgot we did already know about this the the madam web movie i i feel like maybe someone's been cast but i'm not sure um Madam Web is in the Spider-Man comics. She is sort of this being that exists beyond time and uh, is a part of this, the Spider-Man multiverse. You know, the, there's this web that consists somewhere outside of space and time that connects all of the, the spider people from all the different universes. And, you know, all that lovely comic book lore that makes no sense. Uh, and Madam Web is kind of one of the uh, one of the ones in control of that. What's this movie going to be about? I don't know. All she really does in the comics is uh, sit about and like talk to Spider-Man and stuff whenever there's multiverse problems. I don't think she is ever really a hero of any kind. So I don't know. Don't know what that's going to be about. Who knows? But in what? quite <laughs> sorry, go ahead. 
why do comic book writers have to be so weird sometimes like how does a kid get bitten by a radioactive uh, spider and somehow like mutating to be sort of spider like translate into the whole world is being watched over by a giant spider like that's like someone uh microdosed and uh then read Discworld and realized their jobs to write spider-man stories <laughs> yeah yeah it does it's it's sort of it's out doing the brief, really, isn't it? When you're asked to write a Spider-Man story, you're like, okay, he could just he could just fight the Green Goblin, maybe, <laughs> maybe next time, maybe next time you just have him stop some bank robbers. Um, but the the weirdest one of all, uh, Bad Bunny has been cast. Bad Bunny, who we're going to see in the upcoming Bullet Train movie, which I'm quite excited for, but he has also been cast as El Muerto uh, for a solo El Muerto movie. If you're sitting there wondering who on earth is El Muerto, um, you're not alone. El Muerto is a Spider-Man villain who appeared in two issues of Spider-Man, two issues of the Spider-Man comic he has been in. Uh, and that's that's who we're getting a solo movie of. Of Spider-Man, of all those Spider-Man characters, all those incredibly well-developed Spider-Man characters with you know extensive backstory, complicated emotional background. Uh, We'll, we'll be getting an El Muerto movie. I, I actually, I don't know. I was going to say, I actually kind of think that's the advantage of it. You know, yeah. You think anytime you want to release a movie about superheroes, you like, you have the, down there, the blades on Batman's gauntlet pointing two degrees the wrong way. You'll have <laughs> hordes of angry nerds on the internet uh, uh, sending bomb threats to your house or whatever. Mm. Uh, it's kind of genius to then pick a character from two issues and think, uh, yeah, I mean, we just write whatever we want about him because ultimately there is nothing on him. Although that being yeah. said, people will still get angry about it. <laughs> yeah. I uh, feel like it's not- more one of those things where this just gives you the freedom to, well, or realistically what they've done is someone at Sony has pitched a script for, I think Elmerto is like a, a wrestler. That's where he comes from. And maybe yeah. he has superpowers or went to the Tinkerer or whatever. I don't know. He's one of those bad, ones. Bad Bunny uh, has a sideline in wrestling. Nice. Oh, okay. That does make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what this feels like to me is someone at Sony has pitched a script for a movie with some character vaguely like this. Uh, and then Sony has gone, great. We need another another spam movie. Let's just use this script, uh, and then we'll make more money this way than doing some random movie about a, a wrestler um, that nobody's ever heard of before. Let's slap some Spider Man on it, and then uh, we'll we'll make we'll make more. Uh, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Not that that means it's going to be bad. It's just that's that's very much the vibe I get when you make an El Muerto movie. Either that, or it's someone at Sony some some executive it's their favorite character you know that's kind of always the the only reason these things get made or like a character gets put into something is because somewhere someone it's their absolute favorite character of all time and they've demanded to make a movie oh no my script they're spun all over it <laughs> <laughs> yeah excellent that, i think it's partially also they were wouldn't surprise me if they were looking for vehicles for bad bunny i mean uh he's not uh, as big in the English speaking world but you have to remember the guy is the most streamed artist on Spotify if yeah. you released the movie with him as the main character I don't doubt that there would be millions of people worldwide who would want to go see it and would give uh, 
them a bit lot of appeal in sort of the Latin American market and the over here in Europe, the Spanish market. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was partially one of the reasons they've done it like this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like to think now the the way you said that I, I like to think that um in the, the Sony offices now it's like it's like the the mark of death if your script gets spammed. It's like, oh damn it, they spammed it. They're gonna put it in the spam universe. Damn it! I wrote this beautiful script and they've just gone and spammed it. <laughs> You're like, that's oh, that's a bad sign. Once your script gets spammed, it's gonna be it's gonna be all covered in you're gonna have that that gross Michael Morbius is gonna get his grubby little hands all over it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's not even top ten weird things Jared Lee was done. Uh, no. I was gonna say it just confuses me. Why obviously they are seriously twerking for Toby Maguire. Uh, Andrew Garfield to come back neither of them want to come back because they do in fact have half a brain uh, <laughs> but why not just I mean they've got the rights to Spider-Woman and Spider-Man why not just do a movie with one of them it would be, no they would probably still make it incredibly weird and uh, not of a high quality but it would at least be a more interesting pitch than uh, scarring uh, the most obscure Spider-Man comics you can find to try and dredge out a possible movie for no discernible reason other than you really, really miffed at Disney and you want to try and sink the co- the the value of the Spider-Man IP. Yeah, that's that's the thing that gets me with this is like none of these movies have been about heroes. Morbius is like the closest thing to a hero. He's a, like a bit of an anti-hero, but in terms of the movies. He's been like the worst one easily. Uh, so in this, like, no, those this lineup, eight people didn't matter. They were very clear that those eight people did not matter. Sorry, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but like, looking at this lineup, El Muerto, we don't know anything about. We can assume is a bad guy because he's a villain. Uh, Venom is like meant to be the absolute worst uh, in in Spider Man. I know he's kind of come around to being a a bit of an anti hero now, but. Craven, Craven the Hunter is is a poacher, like a serial poacher, who kills animals all around the world, and and then tries to and does at some points in the comics kill Spider Man. That's his whole deal: is that he just likes to kill yeah. animals and try to kill Spider Man. That's he all he wants to do. He's not killing Spider Man because of personal grudge. He just sees him as the biggest game brands. Yeah, but that's not that's not your that's not the hero of your movie though, is it? <laughs> you know and then madam webb i i guess is like almost a hero she's kind of gets spider-man to to save the world sometimes um but i i i don't know man it's it's so weird maybe that's what maybe that's the thing to actually admire about it is just that it's a weird weird universe maybe that's we're actually meant to look on that we're change our perspective on that and actually actually look at the benefits of of this weird universe it would be hilarious if Sony wrestled control of Into the Spider-Verse from Sony Animation and uh, made a live action Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that would be hilarious and definitely not a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, don't let them do it. Sony Animation, you hold on to that until your last I've, breath. I've, don't let anybody I've, near Into the Spider-Verse. I've put that into the universe. Now it's going to happen. Uh. They, they take the animated version off all streaming. No one can even see it anymore. They just have the live action version. Okay, you put that bit into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
if that happens, we're going to feel really bad about it. <laughs> we'll be moving on now to a, a pre-recorded segment from last week's episode. Last week, uh, for anyone who listened to last week's episode, I, I did a little disclaimer in that video as well, or that podcast as well. But we we recorded too much last week, basically. Mm. <laughs> Talked for too long. Um, but we, we did have a very fun conversation about chocolate because uh, last week was Easter. Um, we're, we're, we've now kind of missed the mark on that, on it being quite as relevant. But um, we did. The other a... thing, the <laughs> other thing was time sensitive as well. To be fair, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, we felt as as much as yes, uh, talking about chocolate would be relevant to Easter. It's it's an all year round thing. I think chocolate kind of <laughs> it doesn't need to be at Easter. But we did uh, Fantastic Beasts last week, which felt more like that needed to be talked about. Um, so this week our our topic is going to be about chocolate. But in case you find that bizarre keep in your head that it's because we talked about it at easter time we're just a little bit late to get it out um but that that doesn't feel any weirder than our normal conversations to be honest look does it i hope everybody had a nice easter who's listening hopefully you all got some time off you got to relax a little bit when it comes to easter though look obviously the most important part is the chocolate uh and you had mentioned about maybe chatting a little bit about chocolate because that's just a fun thing to do. We've done so many of our kind of favorite things on this podcast before. Um, it's kind of mad that this hasn't come up before. So let's just have a little bit of a talk about chocolate since it is the, I guess, the most chocolatey time of the year. <laughs> Would Easter be the most chocolatey time of the year? Or would it be Valentine's Day? What do you think? Um, I don't even think Valentine's Day is in the conversation, to be honest. I think it's between, <laughs> uh, Christmas with the selection box and advent calendars. True. Uh, it would be Christmas versus um, Easter, uh, but no, I think Easter swings it in terms of chocolate. Uh, we're talking about chocolate only because my idea of talking about which of the uh, Gospels does your favourite version of the Easter story was vetoed, but we'll go with this instead. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, actually, I saw a tweet, it was very funny, I can't credit who it was by because I mean, I saw it once and I can't remember. <laughs> Someone said, uh, the Easter Bunny really doesn't care what children behave. Like, something's got, like, a naughty and nice list. The Easter Bunny's just stressing out majorly. It's like, I've got billions of Easter eggs I need to get rid of. I don't care if you uh, committed several uh, crimes, larceny, murder, <laughs> arson this year. Just take your 20 Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the Easter Bunny has a deadline and a quota, and he is going to make both. <laughs> he, he procrastinated. He procrastinated. There's no way. He's not as organized as Santa. Uh, not although really. I, I can't really see how much organization Santa doesn't have. I mean, the Easter Bunny's not organized, but to be fair, the Easter Bunny doesn't have a Mrs. Claus and an army of elves. The Easter Bunny's a one-man band. Yeah, very true. So I, you know, put some respect on the Easter Bunny's name. I think is the the moral of the story. You know, Santa, as organized as he seems, I don't know how much that organization really is coming from the top. You know, I feel like that's a he is very much the the CEO of the company that runs itself. I think when it comes to to the the present delivery system, I reckon that's that's all else. You know, I mean, so, don't don't get me wrong. To be fair. Santa is the real quarterback of that team. Like, I mean, mm. okay, he gets all the glory. 
it's skewed the interpretation of how much of the work he does is interpreted as it's all him, but really it's 50-50 between him and the rest of the team. But, you know, the quarterback at the end of the day is your main man. He makes the pass the same way Santa makes the delivery. Sometimes it's unfair he gets all the glory, but there is a reason. And to be fair, he gets all the glory, but he also gets the brunt of the abuse when something goes wrong too. You know, no one's blaming 50,000 elves, but, you know, you miss you mess up one delivery and everybody's going to be getting on Santa for that. So it's, yeah, it is definitely, there's both sides of it there. Um, anyway, we were talking about chocolate. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> absolutely insane hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like our kind of sports commentary on different holiday figures though <laughs> just very past it she's washed hasn't been it had her glory day back uh, years ago but it hasn't really been put in the same outfit there mm. uh, do you know I well dental health single, is at an all-time high look yeah. do you know i haven't gotten a single pinch from the tooth fairy since my last tooth filling this is scandalous that's what i tell you that's true i've been pulling out all my adult teeth just hoping to see her again and nothing <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> I'm Sorry, on I, <laughs> I interrupted you being sensible for comedic effect. <laughs> Listen, look, that's what this podcast is all about. Okay. Um, and I mean, you said being sensible. We're having an in-depth discussion about chocolate. But yes, uh, to, to get a little bit more serious, when it comes to favorite chocolate, will we are we just going for an, an overall favorite here? Or are you trying to trying to split it up somehow? Um, well, when I eat chocolate, I don't spill it up. I just do it all in one go. So I reckon... Wrapper uh, and all. J- just, just do like a... We'll each do our own... I was going to say top three, but I don't think that's big enough. I also think a top five is too big. I'm going to force a bit of constriction here, but also give a bit of leeway and say a top four each. Uh, I think... Some ground rules do need to be set, though. I say exclude anything that's more biscuit than chocolate. So, I mean, you yeah. could have... I think you could have, like... Um, I don't know. Uh, you you could have a... Crunchy or whatever, but I don't think you could have a penguin bar in this list. Yeah. Fair. I think that's fair. I'd also exclude anything that's more cake than chocolate as well. So we're not including like, oh, brownies, chocolate cake, anything like that. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's got to be. If you were buying it, it has to be something you would call a chocolate bar. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not going to be a neat category, but, you know, you you would call a double decker a chocolate bar. You'd call a picnic bar a chocolate bar. You know, those are the ones on the threshold, but you wouldn't call a, pis- a biscuit a chocolate. You wouldn't call a penguin biscuit a chocolate bar. You would call it a chocolate biscuit. Yeah. Chocolate biscuits aren't on the list. Um, trying to think of any other ground rules. Uh, white chocolates allowed. You see these these people get on my nerves, right? They tell me white chocolate's not real chocolate because it doesn't have any cocoa in it. Gosh, who invited you to the party and ask your opinion? <laughs> yeah, that I feel like if you if you claim that white chocolate isn't real chocolate, you don't deserve the chocolate white or otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, You've, I don't care. Sully the name of chocolate. Chocolate is about fun. Willy yes. Wonka is rolling in his grave at your at you slabbering about white chocolate not being real chocolate. Wonka's no, no, not no. bad. Wonka is Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Oh, 
he's got <laughs> quite a pale complexion. Um, yeah, no, I just it's it's the same thing with all things. No, I I'm I'm a bit guilty of this with beer. I have been known to maybe refer to some beers as piss water, but <laughs> <laughs> I would I would still call them beer. It's the same way, ultimately, even though you might judge someone, but you have to let them enjoy what they enjoy. I know it's not the technically best chocolate, but I do like white chocolate. Um, that being said, maybe we should ban America. <laughs> um, no, I think as long as it's not, as long as it can be called a chocolate bar, it should be allowed on the list. I agree. I agree. All right. So, oh, where are you starting then? I've I've got a few, but um. I'm so I'm really I'm afraid of forgetting something, you know. I feel like there's gonna be some great stuff that just slips my mind, but um I've got some I've got some decent ones. Oh actually one more grand rule. I don't want to say anything called chocolate bar. I think as long as it is mainly made with chocolate, it should be allowed like you could probably have a Terry's chocolate orange on the list. Okay. Well I can start us off then because that's my first one that is that I was uh, questionable with. But I, yeah, I think it definitely counts. Uh, Terry's chocolate orange, outstanding. I absolutely love it. Um, I would associate it somewhat with Christmas. I think that's just because they're obviously yeah. they're everywhere at Christmas, and I, I think I normally get one as like a stocking filler kind of every Christmas. So I, I would associate it particularly with Christmas. But I think, I think all year round it's pretty good. It's maybe just even better whenever it's Christmas time. But um, Terry's chocolate orange, oh, so good so good i would say maybe now that i'm now that i'm old now that i'm an old man uh it maybe pushes into the territory of being too sweet uh by that i just mean where where i used to sit and eat an entire terry's chocolate orange as a child i probably couldn't do that anymore but um i suppose that maybe doesn't mean it's too sweet <laughs> that maybe just means i'm more aware of being sick uh, nonetheless, I think Terry's chocolate orange is is really a, a great one. I, I love orange chocolate kind of at any level, but that is that's the OG, I think. Yeah, you the whole reason it splits apart is so you don't have to eat it all in one go. No, I would eat them. I I would eat them like an apple as a child. I <laughs> just not even take them apart. Just comp from the outside. Just take bites out of it and then do the core at the end as a little treat. I know you're joking, but I'm trying to imagine how physically difficult that would be. <laughs> oh God, horrible! So horrible. And then, and then you just have like a an absolute mouthful. Imagine like the size of a big a big apple bite of just pure melted Terry's chocolate orange in your mouth. Oh, horrible! <laughs> the absolute worst way to eat a Terry's chocolate orange. But man, I'm sure someone's done it. Yeah, I'll put that. <laughs> I'll put that my number four. I'll sort of like uh, also put it with. Um, uh, but I'll like say my actual favorite deliver, delivery method of a Terry's chocolate orange is the chocolate orange bars. Um, you know, like the the thin the thin ones. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know why. I just I think it's I, I just slightly prefer that to the orange. You know, the orange is more unique, but for some reason it tastes a little better. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the feeling you don't have to share it, whereas you inevitably have to share it. Uh, the orange yeah uh, you either share an orange or you hoard it there's there's no you can't keep it in a keep it out or keep it in a drawer somewhere you either hide it for no one to have or you share it with everyone there's no in between yeah well i'm gonna pick 
and my number three, this is this is skirting the the line a bit, but I did say I think anything that is mainly chocolate that you would call chocolate should be allowed. So I'm going to put in number three, mini eggs. No, this is very Ooh. seasonal to now, uh, but mini eggs to really just put it mildly, crack cocaine of chocolate. <laughs> that is very true. I mean, you could just open a bag and think, oh, one or two, and then have some more later, whatever. The bag's empty in five minutes, literally. Is There's no other way that ends. You yeah. start it, it's gone. <laughs> it would only, if it was available all year round, it might even be number one, but you can only get it for like two months, so it can't go any higher than three, really. I feel like uh, my, my two picks above this are available year round. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but on, but on taste and addictiveness alone, it's almost the number one pick for those. Yeah, it's it's they are hard to beat. Mini eggs, they're, they're a really great one. I I don't have them on my list, but that it's a strong contender. Look, I feel like it's maybe because I wasn't thinking about mini eggs. You know, I was going more chocolate bar route, but they could they could very easily make the list if I were to rethink this. But I'll I'll stick with what I have. Um, but I feel like they could, they could easily kind of weasel their way in. Um, at my number three, I have, and this is perhaps pushing it a little bit as well because I've gone for a, a chocolate bar that is a wafer chocolate bar. I'm going for a timeout at number three, which I feel like maybe is a slightly controversial pick because it is, it's a somewhat boring chocolate bar as far as they come. But similarly, if you're talking about addictiveness, I, I don't think I have ever eaten too many timeout bars anytime i've sat and eaten timeout bars i've finished the packet much earlier than i myself would actually have to stop uh, i don't know what the capacity is for timeout bars before i've had enough because i've never actually reached that point um so easy to eat so airy wafery and light um and it's just such good chocolate as well i i could i could eat them forever and I, i'm yet to ever have too many timeout bars to be honest, I wouldn't even have to exclude it from my list based on rules. I think I would just exclude it from my list because I think it's a bit mid. <laughs> I think that I yeah, that's why I was saying I think it's a, a bit of a controversial one because it, it is a very, very boring chocolate bar. Um, like it, it's extremely boring, but I I just really like them, man. I, I don't know. It's there isn't anything special about them, but I feel like that's why it's so good. Like I, I could just sit and eat them forever. It's not that thing of like oh you take the first bite and it's incredible it's just it's just a good chocolate bar and i anytime i have them I, i'm never disappointed i i just i i really appreciate a timeout bar you know i feel yeah. like I, I had to rank it high for that to to be fair um i mean everyone has in different food categories everyone has made things they enjoy like you see, when you tell someone you like fig rolls, sometimes the reaction is like you've shot their dog. That, that's the reaction I just had internally, yeah. but I'm trying, I'm trying to behave. I don't, I never get why people are so vehemently against fig rolls. I get, yeah, to be fair in concept, maybe they are a bit mid, but like, I've never been unhappy to see that someone has fig rolls. Like, if someone has fig rolls, I'm like, can't have a fig roll. <laughs> yeah to be fair i don't i don't like fig rolls but of the like mid-tier kind of biscuity things i i appreciate that it's something 
as much as it is normal it's like a a little bit different you know it's it's very much like a jammy dodger if someone puts out biscuits like it's very plain but it's not all the way plain and you can at least appreciate that um, yeah you've got i just don't like fig rolls but i can i can appreciate that as a as a biscuit it's got some it's got something to it you know you've got to appreciate people who push the boat out like to be honest you see if you put out biscuits for guests and it's chocolate digestive okay i thought chocolate digestive is a very solid biscuit and everyone likes it. Yeah. But, all but you just had those, you that. just had those in your house, you know? You're not a risk taker. Like, yeah. If someone sets out Garibaldi biscuits, I might not eat one, but I'm like, I respect you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. If some yeah, or like if someone has pastries in their house or something, you're like, damn, you're you're insane and I like it. <laughs> I like it. That that's what you brought out for tea. And it's something they say, or like donuts. You're like, man, this is it's maybe not the right answer, but I you've got to respect the wildness of not not bringing out a rich tea, you know, as yeah. much as I do like rich teas. But yeah, it's you, you just had say. those in your cupboard, you know, you just had those ready to go. That's fine, but you got to appreciate someone just pulling something crazy. <laughs> I was gonna say, is I think I actually do like rich teas as the king of the aggressively mid snack. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot <laughs> absolutely. even fathom someone could not like rich tea i'm not saying they would like them but i'm also saying what i'm saying is i don't know how someone could dislike a rich tea biscuit you know it's so aggressively mid it doesn't have any flavors that you could possibly actually dislike yeah exactly if you don't like a rich tea you must just not like tea at all you know because like that that's the entire concept around them there's nothing Unless maybe, I guess, if you eat them without tea, I could see you can maybe being like, yeah, these aren't great, but there is just, there's not enough to them to, to heat, really, is there? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know how I'm drinking tea, so I've only ever had them without tea, and I can tell you they're fine. <laughs> well, there you go then. Yeah, I, well, no excuse then to dislike a rich tea. Yeah. To be fair, if anyone, like, aggressively liked them as well though i feel like that would also be wrong <laughs> like they they should not be anywhere near kind of uh, you should not have an intense opinion on a rich tea biscuit you know yeah okay i'll, I'll go for my number two i think this is the most controversial pick on the list but i think for people with a good palate it shouldn't be controversial i'm gonna put number two is and um, milky bars the milky okay. bars are on me <laughs> Uh, I think that's fair. I'm not a white chocolate guy, but um, I'm also not. I'm not going to be that that guy we were talking about earlier who <laughs> roasts people for liking white chocolate. I think it's fine. I just, I just don't like it. But Milky Bars, if you're going to do white chocolate, that's the way to do it. You know. Yeah, I'll, I'll ex- yeah, I'll explain to you why I like it. Um, now, to be fair, I would probably say that uh, the Marks and Spencers white chocolate is technically better, but I can't in good conscience. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't uh, have a little cowboy <laughs> yeah i can't do so... it's not rep the 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 og uh to be fair joking about milk the milky bar kids have the fun of buying a milky bar getting to say the milky <laughs> bars are on me but yeah i like milky bars because to be fair uh, people criticize uh white chocolate i think they're sort of thinking of the cheap plasticky cardboardy uh white chocolate that's been made to save money but 
Uh, Milky Bar is an example of how white chocolate can really um, shine, where the whiteness comes from the high sort of dairy content and uh, the a, a good sort of level of sweetness that comes from the lack of bitterness from uh, cocoa yeah. beans. Uh, to me, that's how you do white chocolate. I think it's really nice to eat. Now, it does suffer from the same problem that a lot of white chocolate does, that you can't really eat a whole bar in one sitting once you're past the age of 10 because it's just too sweet. Yeah. But that's probably actually an advantage of it once you get older that you can't eat the thing in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it doesn't really... That's one of those things. It's, it's only a complaint for the briefest window when you just outgrew it and then you maybe have a, a year where you're like, man, you can't even sit and eat a whole one. And then you're like, oh, it's great. I don't even eat three of it all straight away. <laughs> Just like comes around so quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a really great chocolate bar. That pick no one is going to like because even people who like it, you can't, you can't put it number two. Little... Oh, yeah, maybe look. I can. But over Do the Do not past... worry, my friend. <laughs> Do not, not worry <laughs> about your controversial number two pick. Because I'm going coming out swinging at number two for my okay. personal favorite, the underdog, the bounty bar. Well, I, I like bounties. I, I think yeah. it's an odd choice to put at number two, but I, I do recognize people... that the people who like bounties have to defend them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's everyone will admit that a bounty bar is fine if you can corner them and get them down to admit it enough. But people just love to hear it so much and. I will defend the Bounty Bar. I will die on this hill. It's a great bar. Coconut is amazing. I, I think, peep, again, no one really denies that. Like coconut, you get away a pina colada, you get something with some coconut in it. Chocolate and coconut is such a great combo. And the Bounty Bar, oh man, it's so good. It gets horribly neglected at Christmas time. It shouldn't be neglected through the rest of the year either. And honestly, I feel a bit bad myself that I kind of, reserve it for christmas and eating it in the celebrations and i don't buy it throughout the year as much as i probably should because i'm i, I just start overlooking it as well but it is such a great such a great bar i i love i really love coconut but um i love the the normal bounty bar i love the dark chocolate one as well i, I like dark chocolate a lot too um it's just great it's just a great bar and i think it deserves some respect and it deserves People need to admit that it's a, a good chocolate bar and just just like it a little bit more. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't deserve any of the heat that it gets. Like it, it gets an um, undeserving amount of heat for being at the end of the day a pretty normal chocolate bar. I I think it's very nice. But like even if you don't like it, it's it's still just a chocolate bar. And there there's there are some chocolate bars that are so much worse, like literal crimes against dessert, and they get no heat. And the bounty bar is getting just the absolute worst for no reason. I think it's undeserved. Yeah. I, I, as I said, yeah, I like bounty bars. The only thing is, I would say a full-sized bounty bar can be a bit awkward to eat. I actually prefer them in sort of the, the fun-sized celebration size. because uh, A full-sized bounty bar now is, is two smaller bounty bars. <laughs> They've like yeah, changed it so you don't actually get one big one. You get two small ones in a, in a bounty bar pack now. <laughs> No, I, I get that, but it's just what I mean by awkward is the amount of coconut and oh, oh yeah, uh, okay, yeah. It the feels like you're size, some, yeah, yeah. It feels like someone's trying to suffocate you with coconut when you're eating that much coconut because it's so <laughs> granular. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I do like it. I think Rogue Choice to put in at number two, but I, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not part of the fight me hate gang, which doesn't <laughs> have a lot of members these days because some people can't aren't adult enough to deal with the coconut flavor. Exactly. Um, no, to be fair, I feel like I'm, I love chocolate, but I'm not really like a massive just buy a chocolate bar kind of guy. Like I, I'll, I'll eat kind of more, I don't know, like individual, you know, like bags of chocolate and stuff like that. But actual chocolate bars, I feel like I don't actually eat all the time. So I struggled a bit to come up with this list, which is why I kind of, it was more the, the ones that kind of came to mind quicker than me actually being able to sit down and analyze. I don't eat chocolate bars that much. I eat sweets a lot. I'm a big sweets fan, but um, yeah, I, I love a bounty bar. Also, yeah. shout out just a, an honorable mention to the raspberry ruffle bar as well, because that that's a slept on chocolate bar if you like chocolate or if you like coconut rather. Um, oh, that's a great one. That's a really yeah. great one. I'm going to give a shout out for some number one to Maltesters, the week Maltesters. Oh, I'm yeah, always for like sure. Them. Uh, my, night. my number one spot I think it's very well deserved but I also recognise it's really boring but I'm going to have to give it to the OG Capri's Dairy Milk Bar it's I think just, that's very fair the king is, I've said this before in some of my basic bitch choices, the king is the king for a reason mm-hmm. and Capri's is the nation's most popular chocolate bar because simply put, uh, well as I said, unless you're one of those like weird guys who like has to eat Peruvian dark chocolate that's been excreted <laughs> from a cat or something. Um, Cadbury's Dairy Milk Bar is the best chocolate bar in the market. It's just delicious, to be honest, and that's why it's top. It's got a nice consistency to bite into. There's nothing worse than powdery chocolate, whereas um, Cadbury's not as nice and creamy. It's it's actually, I've heard, I never really noticed, apparently some people say it's not as creamy as um, it used to be, but I imagine all food has gotten incrementally worse over time, so can't really count that against it. <laughs> uh, I think it's big rival in this aspect is Galaxy, but I always sort of think Galaxy's good, but it, it kind of has this hype just because it's seen as like a premium brand, whereas I think the Everyman Cadbury's is uh, still better. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking Cadbury's over Galaxy 10 out of 10 times, though. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't really have anything exciting to say about it. I mean, a lot of the time you do end up buying the variant flavors like the Oreo bar or whatever just for a bit of a different spot. I, I still think OG, it's the nicest milk chocolate you can buy in a supermarket. Yeah, uh, you're you're never beating the original, I don't think. Yeah, honorable mention, sort of just plain milk chocolate. Milk is also very good, but oh, I, yeah. I, I, I think Cadbury's Dairy Milk Um is just it's the best it's lovely chocolate yeah i i i think i would agree with you to be honest at my number one spot but i'm just gonna put in one that's different for for different sake um and go sort of very much the other direction in terms of a a non-simple bar uh, and that is a, a double decker i think double decker is real outstanding one it is another one for me that like you can you can barely get through finishing that entire bar in one go. Certainly you couldn't do like the the two in one, but um I, I think a double decker is really great. It's certainly like, yeah, that a serious amount of sweetness and flavor. Um, but 
I, I, I love a double decker. It's one I made myself absolutely sick of uh, of them whenever uh, I don't even know, like maybe I was 14 or 15 and I would get one like walking home from school every day uh, or I'd get like a pack of them and just sit and feast on them. Uh, so I really did make myself sick of them, but I've come back around recently and boy, I forgot how good they were. I think the double deckers are outstanding. I will say, I think my real answer probably is the dairy milk as well, but just so that we have another option, this is way up there for me. Yeah, I, I don't. I have to be honest. I don't think I would ever. I would crack. I don't. I quite like them. I don't think I would crack my top five or top ten. Even I do like them. What I can say is, I have to receive this with. Don't try this at home because I have no idea if it was actually a safe thing to do or not, or whether I was just lucky. I didn't completely explode the microwave. Uh, I used to do this thing when I was like a teenager. It was actually mostly when I was bored at home revising where I would take different chocolate bars I was going to eat and uh, I would microwave them for a bit to see what they taste like warm. Um, Look, I mean, you those... absolutely did this today. I mean, I, <laughs> the I, I way would... this... Yeah, it's just a thing I like used to do uh, when I was like at home bored revising. Uh, I would just like I used to do this. I like definitely don't do it anymore, but I, I sort of used to do this thing. Uh, to be fair, I probably still do it, except because my <laughs> parents are retired. <laughs> They're in the house a lot, so I can't get away with that same stuff. Um, with that yeah. kind of laissez-faire attitude to the microwave. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, normal sort of chocolate is what you expect. It's just softer, and it's quite nice to have it sort of melted. Toffee crisp, I think I microwaved it. it was oh. kind of weird. That was also definitely not safe because uh, <laughs> that could, could have exploded. But I can tell you by far and away the most entertaining chocolate bar to microwave was a double decker. It was like <laughs> that marshmallow top half would just explode out of it. It was really <laughs> funny. Um, that is good. Yeah, it would unfortunately like burn your mouth if you tried to eat it because yeah, it's like kind of melted sugar, but whatever. <laughs> As I said, don't but try whatever. that because it's not safe. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know that that's pretty good though. I think that's that's a pretty I've, solid chocolate analysis. I think. Yeah. Look, I've got two bonus categories for you. The first of which is uh, your favorite, just because a band, and I kind of want to hear what you have to say about them. Your favorite um, chocolate uh, biscuit, be it bar or a biscuit that has chocolate on it. I was thinking. It's kind of, I have to give it to evenly split between two. Uh, I love penguin chocolate biscuits. I mm. really, really like them. If if those had been permitted, I probably would have put it on my list. Uh, they're actually just... I haven't had one for years now. I've one maybe last year. They taste really, really nice. Um, yeah, penguin bars are great. Really nice to bite into as well. That, that nice sort of like snap of the biscuit. Uh uh, that, that feels like some Paul Hollywood would talk about. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that has to be tied with the gold bar. There's a lot of novelty mm. in eating the gold bar, and it does taste quite nice. So are you talking here specifically like chocolate biscuit bars or are you just chocolate biscuits generally? No, no, it can be a, a biscuit with chocolate on it or okay, it okay. a chocolate biscuit bar. For me, there's a chocolate biscuit that is um, a hobnob and then it's got a, a layer of caramel and then a layer of chocolate over the top. And it is, you, you'd think it might be too much, but it isn't. You've got kind of that, like, because a hobnob has an almost savoury quality to it. It's got like a bit of kind of saltiness or something in it. 
um that with like the caramel and the chocolate oh it's so good there there is one that's like a digestive it's the same thing with caramel and chocolate but the hobnob base just is absolutely the way to to amplify that whole thing it's i mean it's a substantial biscuit you wouldn't eat as many as of those as you would like a normal chocolate digestive or whatever but um yeah for a, a couple of those and, and a cup of tea or coffee or whatever that is oh that's a really great way to just sit and indulge yourself <laughs> and accidentally eat way too many biscuits i like hobnobs i actually like the hobnob flapjacks quite a bit mm, they are uh, also the other category is your favorite uh chocolate bar that they don't make anymore mine's kind of a chocolate biscuit bar but i think because it's the not existing anymore category it's probably not that important for it to fit uh inside mine's gonna be weird too <laughs> Uh, and that's, I don't know if you had these before. They're actually everywhere, which is why I'm quite annoyed you can't get them anymore. Uh, Echo bars. Oh, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, so I'm going to, like, look them up and see what exactly was in them, but they were really nice. While uh, you're doing that, I can I can shout out. We actually, we had a couple of um, listeners submitted their answers for this as well, uh, for just favourite chocolate bar generally. But one of them, I'm actually, I'm not sure if they still make, um, do they still make Nestle Crunch Bars? Or is that a discontinued one as well? Let, let me look them up just to, so I can be sure what they are. Um, they were like a, yeah, I remember. they had little bits of like biscuit in them or something. I can't really remember, but I remember them being nice too. And they were totally like a forgotten memory I had until someone submitted them. Um we had that, we had Cadbury's as well, which is, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of come out on top. I feel like that's, that is a hard one to compete with. That was uh, Sarah and Amy said that. Jack said Nestle Crunch. Um, we had another Jack. We had cream eggs and chocolate digestives. Cream eggs, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, That's pretty pretty solid one as well. That definitely would be up there for me. Again, it's tricky when you're trying to go with the, uh, chocolate bars and then you, you forget all these other ones that kind of lie on the outsides and you get to the mini eggs and the cream eggs and stuff um oh and then we had the the marvelous creations do you remember these look i i didn't really like them i thought there was too much going on i i thought that too sorry that was benji who said marvelous creations i think that's i think they they were good some of them were good but there was there was a they're, lot they're... i don't really remember see it's it's kind of They've all there merged into one in my head worse. that it was just too too much stuff. But I feel like there was definitely one or two that I liked, and then a couple that were there was just too much going on. But I can't yeah. remember now what was what. <laughs> I, I feel like there was one that like uh, maybe some not quite smarties in it, or but it was something like that. That one was nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I looked up. I don't think you can get Nestle Crunch anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe the person who said they like that has like a dealer. Or goes to one of those, like, you know how you get those shops that, I, I don't know how they do it, but they do sell the, the, the discontinued chocolate bars. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I looked it up. Uh, so Echo Bar, I just wanted to double check. It was, like, rounded chocolate. I had no idea why, but I almost thought that being round made it taste better. Yeah, of course. And of sort course, of, I then had biscuit and then almost, like, a sort of airy bubbles. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just really nice because you like bit into it and because of the biscuit there was a nice snap spine snap and then but it was really sort of light it was really nice and they actually 
another one I just thought of, but I've got to mention it because it really annoyed me that it doesn't appear to have won. <laughs> there was like not that long ago, there was a Cadbury's contest where they released three bars and they, they were they're going to make the winner i don't know which one won but they're going to make the winner into a full-time bar uh but one of the flavors was banoffee it was just normal right. cabbage dairy milk boss with a banoffee flavor and i don't think that's going to win because banoffee is a divisive flavor but i really like banoffee i don't know, it was just, i really like that obviously i think <laughs> i think that my guess is the one that tastes like chocolate brownie is going to win because i mean it was good as well oh i remember that yeah and I probably think that's chocolate more... brown is a pretty yeah that's a pretty universal yeah. flavor i feel like that makes sense um banoffee i could see potentially falling down a little bit um yeah. no my my favorite discontinued bar uh, i think i've talked about this off air before uh but it is oh it's so amazing and it's such a shame they don't make this anymore but um a long time ago, <laughs> and I feel like people won't remember this exists, but some people will, and it, this might unlock a memory for you. They made a millions chocolate bar, and it was like a, a very thin, flat chocolate bar, and it just had millions, like the sweets, millions kind of sprinkled through it, right? Uh, and the the only bad thing about it was that like the chocolate wasn't a very high quality because it wasn't made by a chocolate company. It was made by millions, so... Um, the chocolate wasn't great, but that was like the only that was the only problem with it. If you did it with like a, a good chocolate, that would be even better. But it doesn't sound like it would work, but it absolutely does. The chocolate and then kind of crunching and, and eating into the millions as well. Like the sweet, the the sweetness of the millions and then the the chocolate, it just they work so well together because the millions are kind of tart in a sense as well. Um I, I think they did them with all the flavors. The strawberry one is the one that I remember getting and uh the, definitely the best one it was outstanding and i i wish they still made these um they were so delicious and the again definitely wasn't perfect like the, the the chocolate wasn't the best thing ever there was also the problem of like the chocolate would kind of melt while that you still had the millions as well like the the consistencies didn't really work so you'd always be in, left with like too many millions left over in your mouth after you'd eaten the chocolate kind of thing uh, so it definitely wasn't like a perfect design but god it was so good still even even with those flaws it was such a delicious chocolate bar uh maybe that's nostalgia talking but i i love it i will still sometimes recreate that with if i have a bar of chocolate in one hand and a packet of millions in the other i will um, <laughs> go to to try and recreate that that chocolate bar and it still works it's, the flavor still works absolutely yeah so I, I think i do remember those i don't think i ever have them because i wasn't like the world's biggest millions fan mm. uh what oh what was i gonna say oh yeah no uh sort of in terms of like weird combinations there is like a thing you can get it's a tato cheese and onion flavored chocolate yeah, bar done by tato themselves i have yeah. one but I just sound stomach churning to me. I think now I was gonna say maybe the cheese sort of cheesy chocolate might work, but I really don't think it would. And then the I don't know thing would just would just be even worse. Yeah, it's not for me. It's definitely not for me. I mean, I don't really like cheese and onions, so that definitely wouldn't work for me. But I feel like generally chocolate crisps, I don't know what I would get behind. Maybe like a sweet chili or something is the only thing I could see working. But that's just because chili chocolate is is a thing and it's quite good, but 
beyond that, I don't. I struggle to see a, a flavor of crisps that would work with chocolate. I can't. The, I don't know. It's the problem. It's the problem with sweet versus savory. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, ready salted would work just because uh, salt. Yeah, it's just salt. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I. Yeah, I just don't think it's a good sign combination. I think from what I haven't had, as I said, but from what I've read, part of the problem with the tato cheese and onion bar is not only does the flavour not work, it's that really terrible, cheap, powdery chocolate. Yeah, that's that's always the biggest problem when if you have something like that and like the millions one I was talking about, if it doesn't come from a chocolate company, then like even if it is a good idea or even if the flavour is good, you'll never actually know because the chocolate is such a bad quality that it could spoil what maybe potentially could be a good flavor you know if you kind of have a dodgy chocolate um i suppose it's the same if you get like a nice uh like a like a alcoholic drink or a cocktail or something that someone recommends if it's made with like really crappy quality alcohol then you might end up you might think that you hate it even though actually you you could have a really nice one but you've kind of been spoiled by having a, a, a crappy quality one i suppose that's like anything isn't it um but yeah that's that's always a danger. Always a danger. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, the, hmm. you just didn't care when you were a kid. All you no. cared was you were getting chocolate. Like I, I bet there's like uh, chocolate wallies that you're given and it's always like the, the spy in your mouth or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah. the greatest thing ever. I bet that chocolate was horrible. <laughs> yeah, un- undeniably that chocolate was fine to be disgusting. But do you know what? Something about getting that as a kid look is is just a little bit magical. Wow, what insightful views on chocolate we have, look. I can't... What were you thinking with uh, <laughs> your choice is from one to five? You know, those were all chocolate. They were. They the brief, but what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully you enjoyed that chocolate conversation. Uh, we're going to move on to... Our, our next segment a new segment actually um some people who have been listening to the last few episodes might know that we've been changing up our our segments we've tried to introduce a couple of new things to uh just just switch it up every so often sometimes we don't always have stuff to talk about and we'll uh we'll throw something new in so we have another new segment this week i'm uh, i'm calling this good thing it's all made up this segment is called um we're going to talk about fictional things uh, it can be all different stuff, but we'll we'll have a different kind of topic each time we talk about it. And we're going to talk about a thing we would like or a thing we would dislike that is is fictional, and and we'll just chat about maybe if we were put into that scenario, how do we think it would go? So this week, look, I think you're going to tell me some fictional places or fictional worlds that we could potentially live in, and um, maybe one that we would like or one that we would not like so much. Uh, does that sound right? I was thinking from the perspective of going on holiday. On holiday, nice, nice. Okay, so this is a, a little retreat to <laughs> to some fictional lands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All yeah, right, well, you start us off. There's, there's a difference think? between places you'd go on holiday and places you'd live. Anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right, like any good doctor, I'll start with the bad first. Uh, mm. so the first place I thought would be bad to go on holiday, actually this one would also be bad to live in, is uh, Lilliput from uh, Gulliver's Travels. Uh, be familiar <laughs> as some yarn. I am yes, yes. <laughs> but you give us give us a wee description because I I it's been a while since I've visited Gulliver's Travels. So 
Anyway, Gulliver's Travels was a movie from the 2000s starring Jack Black and definitely <laughs> wasn't also a classic novel. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it was based, the, well, it was a novel, obviously, but that was based on the Jack Black movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was also other people in the movie. The only one I can remember which was uh, the guy who plays Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Joe the Tru- Trulio, that's his name. Yes. Uh, there was other people in the movie, but I can't remember any of them. But you don't need to know. Basically, uh, Gulliver, 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 I'm bad on double L signs for some reason. <laughs> he uh, arrives in this fantastical lounge called Lilliput, uh, where everyone is tiny. So, like, uh, I can't remember the exact type, but they're probably only like six inches tall, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, the reason why that would be bad to visit is. Uh, I'm not even particularly tall. I, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not like quite six, but I'm pretty high up in the fives. Five, ten, maybe, I don't know. Five, eleven. Uh, okay, I'm six foot. Okay, <laughs> six foot, six foot. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I can be whatever you want, ladies. Uh, anyway, so, bearing that in mind, I'm not even particularly tall, but I hit my head on stuff all the time. Cupboards. Uh, door frames. I mean, your house is awful for this. So, for <laughs> anyone who's never been to Reese's house, I don't, I don't actually know if that would be the majority of the listenership or not. The majority oh, no, it is. People... Anytime, anytime someone listens to the podcast, I invite them to my house. So, I think that's it. Should be majority of the of the listeners. Anyways, it's time to dox Reese by providing his. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. If you've never been to Reese's house, um, all the door frames in Reese's house are quite low uh, it's just about okay I brush my hair off the, your door frames quite a lot uh, it is then, it's specifically the door frames in the new built stuff in the house uh, when the house got renovated anything any new doorways that got put in are all bizarrely short like I think they only are maybe six six foot one six foot two tall uh, I, I don't know why I didn't build them but they are yeah. they are weirdly short yeah and it just it, it creates a permanent sense of unease for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't, but I am always slightly. I, I can't help but think, you know, if this house was any smaller or I was any taller, I would be hitting my head off this mm. all the time. And you know, if you're on holiday, you're trying to relax. You don't want to always be worried about hitting your head off door frames. Your bed's too short. You know, that's, that's like that one's awful. You know, if your bed's too short. Uh, mm. like, you sort of always feel like your feet are about to dangle off. It's very unsettling because, of course, everyone knows that if any part of you is off the bed, then that's how monsters get you. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I think that's why Lilliput would be a bad place to go on holiday. You can't relax if you're always paranoid about the door frames. Yeah, that that is true. And, I mean, it's it's a million times worse than just a slightly shorter door frame. There's literally no, no moving about there at all. I, yeah, I don't think... I mean, the relatively nice scenery, I suppose, is the the one nice thing about going on holiday there. But I don't think, I don't think you could stick it out for like a, a week's retreat or anything. M- maybe a day trip, but as soon as you're trying to sleep there, it's it's all going to fall apart. Okay. Would you like another bad place or would you like a good place to go on holiday? Oh, give us another bad place. I can I can take it. Lilliput wasn't too bad. I think I could. Uh, I think I could take another one. Okay. Um. 
bad place to go on holiday from a fictional world, I'm going to go with uh, Tatooine from Star Wars. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, horrible. Because <laughs> there's sound, it's rough, it's coarse, it's irritating, it gets everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's not actually why, although I don't like sand, but I get that is a matter of personal opinion. Some people go mad for the beach. Anyway, uh, the reason why tattooing would be bad to go on holiday is because it's just a crime-ridden hellhole. Yeah, I mean, disregard the crime because it is an entire planet. You could maybe you could camp out somewhere and avoid crime for you know for your for your whole holiday if you got very lucky. But even if you do that, two there's two suns. I I get sunburned in February. There's no way I'm making it through a, a week long on tattooing. Two suns. It's very very dry, as you say. I, I'm not a big sand guy either. What what do you even do on that on that holiday? <laughs> you know, actually station to get power converters. Well, obviously. that obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't think. It's one of those ones that always seems fun, but uh, lasting there any length of time is just you're you're no. If you're lucky, you'll get through that. Say say you're going for a week, uh, just because that's a a good measure of time. You're you're you'll be lucky to come out of it with you know only a couple of limbs lost. That's that's kind of the best case scenario you could hope for. Um, a severe that's, case well, of sunburn, obviously. The lost arms are if you. Uh decide to get uh swifty sh- with a old man in a cantina that's that that's how you lose your arms yeah but that is true one other thing that uh, Tatooine definitely doesn't have going for it is the uh, is the local wildlife now some people when they're going on holiday they like to go places where they can maybe do a bit of nature watching you know spot some exotic birds mm-hmm. uh then you might go look at some of the flying wildlife as well. <laughs> um, yeah, but the tattooing, uh, tattooing literally has something called, I can't remember the exact word because it's like one of those weird Star Wars words that is almost impossible to pronounce, but you have something literally called, there's basically a sand dragon. Uh, yep. They have a giant mouth in the ground which digests you over a thousand years, all of which you're conscious for. Uh, it has uh, not animals, but the but certainly someone did slaughter them like animals. The Tuscan Raiders, uh, who are not exactly known for being welcoming to strangers, and to top it all off, the Jawas, uh, like, will try to sell you faulty droids. Overall. A one out of five on trip advisor, maybe going up to two out of five because it does actually have accommodation because there's the Dowager Queen Hotel. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> you can at least at least stay somewhere for you know a night and a half before you get murdered and robbed. Um, so yeah, maybe 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 one or two stars that one, but yeah, Tatooine, you'd get at least the the novelty of being in Star Wars uh, until you died. So that's. That's, I guess, the silver lining for for that. But three out of yeah. five because we always did want to see uh, the Cantina Band and then Max Debo perform. That is true. That would be good. Um, but yeah, I can't say I'd I'd go there in a hurry. I feel like I I'm good to just stick to the uh, the theme park recreations and <laughs> and those kind of things. Uh, I don't think I need the the real life experience of of tattooing. But it's a uh, 
it's not the worst one. I feel like there's definitely worse places out there. Um, but what about a good one? Look, after after those two trips, I'm I I need somewhere I can really go on holiday to to unwind and have a good time. So yeah. what, what's a good one? Right, you want somewhere where you can unwind that you won't have a sense of overbearing anxiety and dread hanging over you every turn, as well as a palpable sense of danger. Do I have the location for you? Uh, a little island off the coast of America uh, housing a special uh, one-of-a-kind resort theme park and safari uh, trip all-in-one. I'm, of course, talking about Jurassic World. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, look, right. no, that's a great one to go to, definitely. Nothing Here ominous about that. I am 100% serious in this one. Uh, everyone's always like, oh, no, it's such a terrible idea. It's about the movies are about man's hubris and playing God. But, but, honestly, how many people are going to say no if you tell them, right, you can go see dinosaurs, real life dinosaurs. That is so cool. And the only, it only cool. goes bad because it's movies. Like, there would be proper safety things in place in real life. It would be fine. You, pr- you probably wouldn't get like picked up by a pterodactyl thrown up in the air and then swallowed in a really funny on-screen death. <laughs> uh, it, it probably wouldn't happen. Probably. Look, you sound like the bad guy in every Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> this is how it happens. This is why. This is exactly it. You're like, there's no way it would happen a seventh time. That's you right now. <laughs> anyway. Sure, sure, the dinosaurs always break out. But this time, we've, we've made them more docile by splicing their DNA with more animals. It couldn't possibly go wrong. Don't be ridiculous. Anyway, Have I it's... introduced you to the Super Rex? It's, it's a T-Rex, but also all of its arms are a second T-Rex, and then the arms on those T-Rexes are slightly smaller T-Rexes. And okay. it just, it's just that down the line. But, but, are you seriously telling me you wouldn't want to see that? I would want to see it, yes. Of course yeah, I would. Course. <laughs> and that's why literally everyone who offered, offered the chance would go to Jurassic World. Maybe not Jurassic Park, because that it was pretty obvious that that was being done on a shoestring budget uh, <laughs> with little regard for safety. But in Jurassic World, everyone would go like, you can eat ice cream when you see when you see like fish being fed, just a megalodon. That's just cool. It, I, th- there's no one who would say no to it, basically. And that's why I think it's one of the best uh, fictional holiday destinations. True. It's certainly one of the best fictional publicity campaigns the fact that even with even with the track record and everyone's being hyper aware of the fact that this is so likely to go wrong and ultimately be your death still everyone would say yes to that i mean that's that's a testament to just how cool that is it's also like really cool in the scientific way you know if you want to get all nerdy about it like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess if you're a loser it's, it's cool (laughs) <laughs> and to be honest, there's kind of I, I'm I'm part of this group, so I'm not signing off. There's kind of always people who are suckers for anything Bart. Like yeah. It would be very hard for me to say no to a theme park. <laughs> Especially a dinosaur theme park. I mean that'd be so cool. Yeah. Even if there wasn't real dinosaurs, I'd probably say yes. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Probably be more likely to say yes. If it was just pretend dinosaurs. I'd I'd absolutely go to that. 
uh, I mean, yeah, look, I think you're right. As much as it's, it's maybe not good necessarily, but it's, uh, I would still like to go. So I suppose that pushes it into the, the good column, doesn't it? Jurassic World. Um, I'd, I'd have to say yes. Uh, I would, I would want to see it. I suppose it only ever, I mean, as much as yes, it goes wrong several times, it's only ever on one day when it's, you know, presumably been open for a long time. So it, it probably won't go wrong the day I'm there. Yeah, put it this way. Jurassic, this is the part people ignore. There's actually only been one time that an operating Jurassic theme park has gone wrong. That was in Jurassic mm. World. Jurassic Park in the first movie hadn't opened. Uh, so it, there was never any danger to the general public because there has been more safety testing, more safeguards. Two and three are then just going uh, back to the when it's abandoned. Uh, Jurassic World is the only one in which the actual open theme park goes wrong. True. And presumably, again, yeah, it's been open for ages with, with those people going because actually, yeah, when that movie starts, their seals are decreasing, their popularity is going down. So presumably they've been open for a while with no problems. So yeah, odds are you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> odds are you'll be fine. So yeah, I could I could see that for sure. I could see myself doing a wee Jurassic World holiday trip. Do you get to, I... presumably you stay in like you get to stay in, in like dinosaur themed hotels a la the Disney hotels yeah. and stuff. Um, worst case scenario, you know where it's located, if you go, uh, as long as you go outside, probably like whenever the raining season is, the weather will be superb. Mm, true. Also true. I mean, yes, good holiday destination for sure. But I think that's going to do us for this week. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. If you want to get in contact with the show, we're on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We have a subreddit. You can go there. If you want to send us an email, you can send that to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us and like us on whatever you listen on. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Luke, do you want to close us out? Yes, I'm Luke. He's been Reese. Uh, thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. In case anyone was wondering, my dream job has always been to write the jokes on the back of Penguin Bars. So if I haven't achieved that, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.